podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back for another weekly episode of Bosco's Boys. It is me, Scott, coming to you live on a kind of dreary Sunday morning here in Shawnee, Kansas. Uh, I sure like the weather uh, today on Sunday way better than it has been this entire week. Anyone who is a long-time follower of me on Twitter or even this show knows how much I hate uh, how hot it gets in the summer and you know four straight days in the 90s uh, didn't get I think below 72 almost the entire week I absolutely hated it so I'm loving this Sunday where we're going to get some storms it's only going to get up to 71 this is where I thrive so uh, th- this episode is not going to be a uh, war on summer. It's, I'm, I'm not going to take any shots at the people who love summer. I'll leave that on Twitter. But we do have a pretty big week. Uh, you know, last week was Mom Pod, so we didn't get into it quite as much we did on the live show. But last weekend, K State picks up uh, three transfers uh, in-, in the portal. Uh, this weekend, or not, not in the portal, uh, one in the portal, two from junior college. This week we get two more pickups, one junior college, one portal, both in the secondary. Uh, so the roster is really starting to uh, come into the fold, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to talk about how, again, we're only in the middle of May. Uh, but you're starting to already get the think pieces, the national podcast talking about who may be the sleeper in every given conference and all that type of stuff. And I might talk a little bit about how I view K-State's spot now that the roster is looking uh, close to complete. I think there's only one more guy that's going to be brought in, and now there may be a departure or two, but I think we know what the roster is going to be. So you feel comfortable starting to look out there and project what we're going to see and what we could accomplish. And I'll also touch on a little bit of uh, basketball. You know, it's it's been a while since we've gotten a pickup. And while I'm still very excited for the Jerome Tang era, there really is a lack of a difference maker, a lack of scoring that's currently on the roster. Um, is it time to get concerned? Is it time to get worried? Um, you look at some of the targets they're going after. Uh, we'll chat about that as well. But before we do, we're going live. You know it. You love it. Color cast Wednesday, 7 p.m. in Central Time Zone in God's Time Zone. We're going to talk about anything that was going on in K-State Sports this week. We always start off with kind of a wacky, off-the-wall, off-topic question. Um It's coming for Android, I promise. Everyone's going to be able to get in there. But we're starting to get a great crowd, uh, not only up on stage, but also 
in the chat. So please join us Wednesday, 7 p.m. on ColorCast. It's going to be fun. I, I'm really going to enjoy it. And then also shout out to my friends at Sports Drink. They are the network sponsors. That they, they are the network we are with. I've had a lot of fun working with Andrew and the boys over or down, excuse me, down in Louisiana, who are the uh, operators of Sports Drink. I love being with them. And then check out my friends at the Twenty Three Personnel, a Texas Tech podcast. They've been deep into college baseball this spring. Give them a listen as well. You know, they in football season they typically pop in and join our live shows. So be sure to check them out. All right. Uh, let's get into it. You know, we, we have five pickups. I think they're on the verge of maybe getting a sixth pickup. And it really has been a whirlwind uh, the last two weekends. And, and you have to applaud K-State for getting it done. Now, are any of these super sexy pickups uh, instant impact guys? I don't think so. I don't think so. And we'll, we'll touch on the individual's here in a moment, but this is where I was at coming into the spring portal season. Outside of linebacker, and again, that that's the one spot they're still chasing. And I think, and, and you know, uh, the fact that I'm recording this Sunday morning probably means that uh, it'll it'll come through uh, tonight. And, and and I'll just touch on uh, right now because we are still uh, chasing after Gavin Forsha, who is a linebacker from uh you know the junior college uh ranks he has three years left to play he's one of those tyler uh community college kids and again uh we we grabbed two two of his teammates uh kobe savage was one of them and then we'll get into the other kobe savage was back in uh the fall uh, but we're going after him, and he's at linebacker, and he's at the uh, linebacker position, and that's really the only position where we came into this spring portal period, post spring practice, thinking, "Hey, we, we maybe need an instant impact guy," depending on the confidence or lack thereof someone may have in Will Honus at that linebacker spot next to Daniel Green. Outside of that position, I think for the most part, K-State fans coming into this like post-spring uh, practice uh, portal rush or junior college rush, whatever you want to call this period, I think everyone else felt pretty good at the top line spots. Now, I think everyone would have said, oh, if you can find a day one plug-and-play tight end, you do it, or an instant impact wide receiver, you do it. But something that I anticipated that did not come to fruition is I thought there was going to be a lot more uh, movement amongst Power 5 and Division 1 transfers in this post-spring period. You didn't see nearly the numbers I think you saw last spring and maybe this is a sign of the portal starting to normalize. Maybe the, this was the first period where it kind of felt, oh, okay, there wasn't a ton of folks out there. And then I think for the sake of junior college recruiting, that was massive. I think it was massive because I think you saw a lot of junior college prospects really 
get looked at and get love and get some real high major pickups. So I, I think that maybe we are getting to a point where the portal is normalizing, but that might be something we talk about a little later. So outside of linebacker, and again, I think wide receiver tight end, everyone felt pretty good at where the frontline guys were, but you needed to replenish the depth, especially in the defensive backfield where retention has been rough. It's been, it's been rough. There's been some recruiting misses. There's been some retention misses. Uh, but you feel good about the frontline guys. Or at least I do. I, I I won't speak out of turn. But you came into the portal thinking, all right, you need to find some depth there. You came into the spring portal period, and I call it the portal period. It, there is no portal period. I know there's some folks who are wanting to get that. Um Again, I think you had to be in by May 1st to be immediately eligible. But just this kind of post-spring practice recruitment of uh, transfers. You, you knew you needed to replenish depth in the secondary. You wanted to find another body at wide receiver. You wanted to find a running back too. At least the coaches did. A lot of fans did. Um, and I think you wanted another linebacker. Now, they've hit every single one of those spots except for linebacker, and they're putting themselves in position that at least until the season starts, injuries happen, then maybe you see, maybe the portal hasn't, you know, leveled off. Maybe you're going to see it still look like it does in season where you see folks entering the portal every single week. I hope that's not the case. But you're sitting in a position where you've replenished depth, you've found some key backups, and you're poised to maybe have a pretty big season if things go right. Let's start with, I think, the guy that, at least in the in the uh, live show that we did, he was the one who was the guy with the most excitement. And that is Big Tony Frias, or Anthony Frias. So this is a guy who is going to compliment Deuce Vaughn in the backfield. We all know Deuce Vaughn at this point. We all love him, know him, we all love him. Anthony Frias is, while not like this big old bruising guy, he's 5'10", 205, so I mean that, that seems towering compared to Deuce Vaughn, but it's not like you're going to be seeing, you know, Jerome Bettis back there, but he is a guy who's coming to you from Modesto, California. And K-State, again, this will be the theme of, for a handful of these guys. They beat out TCU for that. And then there's two unnamed Pac-12 offers that came in late trying to sway him from joining up with K-State. I thought, and, and, and again, it's probably my bias is showing, I, I thought that we would have been able to get through this season without bringing in another running back because I am a big uh, you know, DJ Giddens fan. Jackson Neen was taking reps back there, but the coaches wanted to grab him. And if you look at what Anthony Frias did in college, this is a guy who can do it all. He's an all-purpose back. He's going to find a way to make plays when he gets the ball. And he looks like a freaking club bouncer. You know, again, it's going to be a little bit of a thunder and lightning type thing between him and Deuce Vaughn, but don't take him for some just lumbering guy. The guy can move. So this is a very fun pickup that then solidifies the running back room. Which again, it 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 
was a little bit more um, skinny than what we wanted. There, there just wasn't a lot of playing depth. So you got to applaud the, t- the coaches for getting out into the junior college ranks and identifying them. The other one let, let's talk about, let's actually try to hit some of these uh, junior college ones. The other one, and I think maybe the biggest win of all these guys, was Jordan Wright. Now, he was he's a cornerback that we grabbed, and this may be, I mean, probably the biggest recruiting win we've had in a while. This is another guy from the California Juco, Juco system. He's from Fullerton, California. He was originally committed to Hawaii, but then he picked up an SMU offer, a Washington State offer, a West Virginia offer, and a Florida State offer. He actually went on a visit down to Tallahassee, Florida, and we got the commitment. I think this staff is starting to really come into their own, and I think they're going to continue to succeed with guys, especially transfers and junior college players, who have played college football already. You know, it's not to say that they won't continue to get better in high school recruiting because, again, they are leading for a handful of guys that could go down. There's three guys that could go down as some of the best recruiting wins in K-State football history this season with high school. So they're definitely coming to their own with them. But being able to talk to guys who have gone through the college football grind, they're not going to be seduced by the glitz and glamour and, oh, the different jerseys and, oh, Tallahassee, Florida, all this type of stuff. They know because – the staff are straight shooters. And, and I think maybe I kind of wish they would lie or maybe play the game just a little bit more. But the fact that they don't really shows that, hey, a guy can commit to us as he's leaving Tallahassee, Florida, and decide, no, I want to be a K-State Wildcat. That's what Jordan Wright is. And I think he's ultimately going to be your number three cornerback for this upcoming season. You lost T. Denson who I loved. I lo- I was a big T. Denson fan. And he was going to be your number three quarterback. That's what Jordan Wright is going to be. He's 6'1". He can move. He's fitting in with that kind of long arm, long wingspan cornerback that we have with Echo and Julius Brents. He's going to be the perfect complement to them because at the end of the day, we- we've all been watching Chris Kleiman football now for three years. Especially on defense, they rotate so much. Now, last year, I think they moved away from it a little bit more than they did the previous years, but they still rotate more, I feel like, than almost any other team in the Big 12. So you need to have that third cornerback you can feel confident in. That's what Jordan Wright is. He's a guy whose recruitment took off, had multiple high major programs going after him, and then, again, a borderline blue blood, or maybe not blue blood, but a a team in a brand that carries a lot of weight. And what what happens? Right after he leaves his visit, he decides he wants to be a Wildcat. Again, I, I think that is just massive for this coaching staff to get that sort of recruiting win. The other JUCO commit so far is another uh, defensive back. And this one is from Tyler, Texas again. And this is one where 
I'm a little I'm, I'm a little confused about, but it it shouldn't surprise you. He, he it's Justin Justice Clements. He he didn't have a lot of high major programs coming after him, but we seem to really like what's going on at Tyler Community College down in Texas. And when you look at all the folks who have transferred away from the cornerback room specifically. You have to bring in these multi-year guys. And you have to replenish the depth. So he's a corner. I, I think he is probably him in uh, Carr, who I'll talk about next, probably will be at the bottom of the depth chart when it comes to cornerbacks. But again, you need these guys who can come in, who will take the coaching, who will develop. Because eventually Echo and Julius are going to leave. You need to continue to try to find ways to develop whoever will be the next handful of corners. And again, you, you got to think that with some of the issues they've had in the past, or it really wasn't in the past, it was the one year, the COVID year, they had locker room issues and some of that stemmed from some of the transfers they brought in. You got to think if they have now brought in two guys from Tyler they're going very hard after another linebacker that they feel very confident in the vetting and the culture that is going on down at Tyler, Texas Community College. So you brought that in and now you have brought in a bunch of multi-year defensive backs. So uh, Javon Carr is one of the ones who got brought in. He, he, is, he originally was at Arizona, I believe he has four years left of eligibility. He originally was at Arizona. He's from Arlington, Texas. Same high school that Reggie Stubblefield played at. He was a track star. Um, just didn't really play much at Arizona. Again, this I think is going to be something that you see happen a lot. You maybe take some high major guys who are transferring after their freshman year after spring ball and you grab them and guess what? Like for better or worse, they're kind of stuck with you after their one transfer year. So now, you know, you have this guy who has the athletic pedigree running track in the state of Texas has four years. He doesn't have his red shirt year, but he has four years left to be in the program and he fits what you're looking for at an athletic level. He fits the prototype of what you want at your corner. But guess what? He can play safety as well. This guy has flexibility. And I think this is what kind of the new wave of college football recruiting is going to look like. You're always going to have your high school guys. I think we're seeing a kind of revitalization of junior college recruiting. And we all know, you know, the, the regular portal stuff. But finding these guys who maybe don't have much tape, but hey, you, you scouted them in high school. They have that athletic pedigree that you want. And you grab them early knowing, hey, they don't have another free transfer. I think this is going to become just the new age of college football recruiting. And it's probably going to be something similar to basketball, which I'll touch on in a bit. <laughs> and it's and it's wild. And, and it's... And it's so much more different than what it was 10 years ago. Like, remember the buildup 
for the 2011 K-State football season. You know, back then when you took transfers, they had to sit out a year so they you knew they were going to have to be major players. You weren't bringing in transfers for depth. You know, you brought in Chris Harper, Broderick Smith, Bryson Arthur Brown, thinking that these four guys, yeah, they have to sit out the 2010 season. But man, they're going to hit the ground running in 2011. Now, only three of those five hit. We all know what happened with Bryce Brown. He still went to the NFL. Broderick Smith didn't come back for his final year. But that's the way it used to be. Now you find guys, and that is almost kind of where you find your developmental pieces. For better or worse, I don't think you can plan on any freshman you bring in that isn't already like making an impact early to stick around develop in a develop, developmental program anymore. I don't think you can count on that. So now to find those developmental pieces, you have to find the guys who are transferring maybe after their freshman year. They don't have another free transfer. Those are who you're going to develop. And I think that's what we're seeing with Carr here. I don't think you're going to see him play a lot this year. But again, you have a young athletic corner who also could shift back to safety. And they have to develop. They have to stay for four years. I mean, I guess they don't have to. They can transfer down a level. But if he wants to be playing Division I football, it's going to be with K-State. Now, someone who I do think maybe has a chance to maybe get into the starting role is the latest transfer from Prairie View A&M. And again, there must be something in the water at Prairie View A&M because these guys have swagger. Drake Cheatham. He was a two-time first-team all-SWAC member at safety. And I think that he will 100% be involved. I, I guess him and Jordan Wright both have a chance to get some real snaps. And I think Drake Cheatham has a chance to maybe start, especially since K-State plays three safeties a lot of the time. Now, he didn't have a, a lot of suitors. Um, I, I think it's kind of similar to Reggie Stubblefield in the sense that uh, his recruitment when he announced he was going to go into the portal really wasn't going to be a heated battle. But if you go back and look at it, and, and again, we can all laugh at the Reggie Stubblefield you know, accolades. I mean, that was a big thing last offseason. You can find where Drake Cheatham was first-team all-conference. You can see the the videos. Again, it's another hard-hitting guy who is going to be a safety for us. He's going to be back there with Josh Hayes, Kobe Savage. You know, he's going to be, especially because, you know, we brought in Sean Robinson from Missouri. It sounds like he's going to be playing linebacker, that sandbacker, kind of almost that Reggie Stubblefield role. I, I think Drake Cheatham is going to be a guy who is going to be a big-time player. We now have that depth at safety where one injury isn't going to devastate you. Because, again, you, you look at the safety room and you're like, oh, man. You're, you're one injury away from having to play someone who isn't ready. You're like that with cornerback as well. And this is where finding those guys, those instant impact guys, 
really pays off. Now, you're going to have to be doing this at safety again next year. Because you're about to lose, again, you're going to lose three safeties. I think Kobe Savage is going to be one of the only safeties that is still going to be around next year. Because I think Sincere Mason, Josh Hayes, Sean Robinson, and Drake Cheatham are all seniors. So you're going to have to go through this again next offseason. But again, the, the staff has shown that they can get your instant impact, media eligible guys and they can find your depth. So I'm not going to get too worried about it. And, and hell, that, that's a, that is a December 2022 problem. That's not a get excited, get hyped, get ready for the season in May 2022 problem. The final guy, and, and again, I look at this much more like a developmental piece. Now, I... Now, there's some debate whether he has two or whether he has three uh, gears left of eligibility. But it was at a position that I think a lot of fans are nervous about and still nervous about. And that's at wide receiver. And that's Ole Miss transfer Jaden Jackson. Now, Jaden Jackson... He's coming to K-State by way of Ole Miss. And, again, I, I don't know if it's two or three years. I think there's some there's some confusion about that. He had a visit set up with Utah, and that's who we we're really going after. So that's another Power 5 recruiting win. Now, he doesn't have a ton of experience. He doesn't have a ton of stats at Ole Miss. But I believe you got three years left of a guy. He's he's from Arkansas. He's 6'1", 180. Again, another track athlete in high school. So you got to like the athletic pedigree. And he, he really was a guy who had a lot of high majors going after him. Ole Miss, Arizona State, Arkansas, Auburn, Georgia. Some real who's who's. So again, it's 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 similar to Carr, except for I, I think it would be fair to expect him to contribute a little earlier than Carr. I, I think he could be a contributor this year. But you grab that guy, that developmental piece who had the pedigree, who knows what playing college football is all about. And you hope under the tutelage of Thad Ward in a new offense that he can be someone who hits the ground running. And here's the thing. If Malik Knowles leaves after this year, Philip Brooks leaves after this year, this is easily a guy who could be your number one wide receiver next year. Now, I think you have to be targeting some higher-end wide receivers in the portal next year. You're, you're, we're in on, especially in the Kansas City Metro, some real prep stars in Kansas City at wide receiver. So I think you're going to see a massive evolution in what what the wide receiver room looks like uh, from, you know, May 15th, 2022 to May 15th, 2023. But this is a guy who will be looked to to contribute this year and be the guy in 2023. Now, 
is he going to perform? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. You know, him and Carr, you don't have anything to go off of. The junior college guys, they were all all-conference all type guys. They were some of the top performers for some top junior college teams. Drake Cheatham was one of the best players in the SWAC for the last three years. You don't know what you're getting with Carr and Jackson. You know, you, you really don't. But again, like I said, this is the new evolution of what college football recruiting and, again, it'll be college basketball recruiting will, will be. Because I think Jerome Tang has kind of taken that uh, to the next level um, when you do look at some of the, at least the transfer commits he's gotten with Colbert and Cam Carter. But we'll, we'll touch on that in a bit. But like I said, I, I, I think that, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that Gavin Forsha commits after I record this. I, I hope it comes on Sunday afternoon. Um, we're going head-to-head with USC, LSU, and Texas for him. Again, you, you just saw General Booty, uh, another Tyler kid, uh, going to Oklahoma. So, uh, again, it's, it's the revitalization of junior college recruiting this spring. Um so I'm hoping Forsha commits between the time I record this and is published. But that's the roster. The, the roster is complete, and you, you don't have to pull your hair out looking at the defensive too deep now in the secondary. And I think that's important. If you get Forsha, you don't have to worry about the depth at linebacker. Now, in an ideal world, would you have gotten a multi-year defensive tackle prospect? Yeah. Yeah, because you're, you're going to be leaning on Hentz, and you're going to be leaning on uh, Eli Huggins. Um, and no experience behind that. Again, you have a junior college guy coming in there to give you some depth. But that's one of the toughest positions to recruit high school kids at, is defensive tackle. So would you have liked to grab one there? Yeah. Would you have liked to grab a... Plug and play tight end, yeah. But ultimately, the staff came into the spring knowing that they had to shore up depth in the secondary, find a number two in the running back room, and get another athlete in at wide receiver. And they accomplished that. Now, we'll talk about this at nauseum between now and what, three and a half months before kickoff? Versus the South Dakota Coyotes, the Yotes. Well, I mean, yeah, at nauseum. I mean, we have an entire blitz month coming in August where we'll talk about it almost every day. But you can't help but find that excitement, especially look around the Big 12. And Baylor, I, I, I think Baylor is going to be a force. But Oklahoma is going through this massive transition. I mean, are we, are we going to believe in Texas being quote-unquote back with a quarterback who's never taken a snap in college football? Everyone's, you know, spazzing out over him because he was the number one overall recruit. But he went to Ohio State, and they're like, nah, you can transfer. You know, I are, are we really doing that? TCU. 
new coach transition. West Virginia seemingly lost their entire team to the portal. Texas Tech, again, new coach transition. Oklahoma State, they're, they're going to be salty. But I don't think they're, you get them at home and it's not anything, they're, they're not going to be bringing a team where you're nervous to play them. Iowa State, I think they're coming back to normal. This might be the best KU team in the last 10 years. But what does that mean? Maybe two, maybe three wins? The Big 12 is there for, for the taking. And if you can keep Adrian Martinez healthy, upright, making good decisions, you can keep Deuce Vaughn healthy, playing at a Heisman level, Malik Knowles healthy, this new offense under Colin Klein, all of a sudden you think, why not us? Why not Arlington? You know, things are setting up. You can play the disrespect card. You get to go through all that. I just know I'm excited for this football season because – Again, we did this last year, and I mean, I, I don't think there's anything that can happen between now and 2023 that make me think to have me do this all over again. Uh, because I think 2023 might be rough. That might be a rebuild. But you look at how wide open the Big 12 is, and you have a four-year starter at quarterback now at a different school, but also never with this offensive line. I think you have three future NFL draft picks who are going to be starting in Line Gang, Cooper Beebe, and Taylor Portier. You have a defense that I think you have two future draft picks starting at your corners. You have a future maybe first-round draft pick at defensive end. You have hyper-athletic safeties running back there. Guys, I think it's going to be a fun, fun season. And again, we'll talk about it a ton in the three and a half months leading up to it. I want to talk on, touch on basketball because, again, I, I feel like the anxiety is showing up again. We've gotten a handful of commitments, you know, since the last time there was anxiety. The, 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 when, when we talked about kind of the anxious energy surrounding uh, K-State football or K-State basketball, the Jerome Tang era starting. um, It was about just getting guys. For the longest time, it was like you only had two players. Now, as we've gotten, folks, I think we have seven commitments. You have six openings left. It's not about getting guys anymore. It's now trying to find that difference maker. Now, I think Naquan Tomlin could be the real deal. I, I, I think he could be a guy who makes a massive impact. And there are sm- people way smarter than me that think Cam Carter could hit the ground running. But you do long and urge for that true difference maker because when you look at this team on paper right now, the seven guys, you, you do struggle to see, okay, where are the, where are the points going to come from? And hell, it's still seven guys. It's like, you know, even one more guy, is even if you get, say, Imaja Gibson, the Oklahoma transfer, and I would love him. 
I would love him. That would be a massive pickup. You don't have an eight-man rotation that you feel comfortable with yet. Now, I'm not jumping off the bridge, and I'm not overly worried, but, but, but it is starting to get to the point, again, for the second time, where I have anxious and nervous energy. Now, they're in on a couple 2022 kids, one of which is a top 150 guy from uh, uh, On3, the newest recruiting site that's popped up. And I still think they can put together a team that can compete to get to March Madness. But you can't help but have just a little bit of the anxiety and almost a little bit of disappointment when you look at the staff that they've put together and still not seen that one true stud, day one stud that they brought in. Now, is it going to come? Is that guy going to come? I hope so. Because they have a great role pieces. And, and again, similar to what the football team has done in, in the spring, they brought in a lot of guys who now will be developmental pieces outside of Dorian Finister and Taj Manning, who wasn't a 10 recruit, but, he, but he's coming. They, they're not going to transfer away. You have them. You get to develop them. You get to work with them and see what they can become. You you can project them out to being seniors, 22, 23-year-old guys playing college basketball. And that is eminently important. But I think the entire idea of a rebuild and, oh, giving a coach time to make the NCAA tournament, I think that has completely changed in the transfer portal era, and then just seeing what Iowa State did last year at Ames. Now, I'm going to be the first one to say they were a shit team. They were not good. They were not substantially better than K-State last year, and we, we saw it. We came from behind and beat them in Ames, and we almost had a shock come from behind win in Manhattan. And that team went on to go to the Sweet 16. Now, I think a lot of Bruce haters and some folks don't want to talk about how close the K-State team was last year to being a tournament team. We're not going to do that. We don't need to do that. But Iowa State showed last year a first-year coach can come in, completely blow it up, and get to the second weekend. Oklahoma honestly should have been in the tournament, and they did the exact same thing. Now, I'm not going to be someone who, if, if we go... 16 and 15 next year that's gonna be like oh we made a mistake going after tang and all that no i i I promise you i will not do that but this this fan base is so starved to get back to the ncaa tournament they're starved to to go crazy and fill bramlage and bring back the octagon of doom and all this type of stuff that coach tang is saying and he's saying and doing all the right things when it comes to fan engagement when it comes to in this staff engaging with the media and the media doing a job covering the team, but they're so good at selling themselves to the fan base that I do think some of the focus of, okay, they're saying all the right things. They're getting the fan buy-in, but but what is the, what is the team truly going to look like next year? And again, the Big 12 is insanely tough, and it, and it might be just as tough, if not tougher, next year 
versus this year where you had KU winning the national championship, Baylor being a one seed, Iowa State, a, t- a team who sucked. I think they were like eighth or ninth in the Big 12 making it to the Sweet 16. You know, it, it very well may be more tough next year. But we, we can, we've seen it done in one year. And, and, and I think K-State fans want it so badly. And, and I'm having a tough time squinting and seeing it as is. Now, Jerome Tang said with Andy Katz that there are some guys currently going through the NBA draft process that are soon to come out. Those are guys that they're going to get ready to target. They sure have enough spots to target a bunch of studs uh, to get us to the point where we can be in postseason play. <clears throat> but it needs to happen soon. I mean, I think in, in an interview he said he wanted all those guys for summer school on campus. And again, that starts in a month. They have six spots to fill in basically 30 days. Can he put together a team that is going to be competing for the NCAA tournament? Is he truly going to be able to elevate to that level in the next month? I hope so. And I, I, I'm, I'm not not believing in him, but you do get a little anxious when you start looking at the calendar flip away, when you start seeing some of these recruits, especially guys who play the off-guard spot and play the wing, start to come off the table. You start getting nervous. I'm only human. I'm a little nervous. But again, a, a, a month from now, you know, we could be sitting here in June, mid-June, saying, all right, this is a squad, and hey, you know what? 18 and we're in. We, we could be right back to that spot. So stay tuned. Um, I, I want to give a shout-out to my friends over at K-State Online covering football and basketball recruiting better than anyone in the game. I want to give a shout-out to ColorCast. We're going live Wednesday, 7 p.m. Hopefully we get some fun news to talk about between now and then, but if not, got a few things up my sleeve. We love you guys. Next week, Trivia Night comes back on Monday. So a week from now, Trivia Night comes back. And when I say Trivia Night, most of you guys listen to it in the morning, but, you know, Trivia comes back. I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually going to be competing, competing against Dan, the reigning champ, and we're still trying to find out who's going to be the third contestant. But I promise it's going to be a fun episode. Play along, listen along. Um, Oh, hearing some thunder. Well, that's all I got. I love you guys. Stay safe out there. Check in on your elderly neighbors, especially when it's super hot. Never leave your pets outside for too long because guess what? If you're hot, they're hot. I love you guys, and I promise you, no matter what's going on in the world, Grant is waiting for you at the cat head. You just got to go find him. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight, hail alma mater from sea to sea, onward forever.
Podcast Network.